Jeez, for a positive money mindset, I think you just have to change maybe your, maybe it's people's concept of selling. Like I have clients who are doing incredible, incredible things, but they have a really, really difficult time asking for money. Hey y'all, what's up? This is Aaron LeBauer. Welcome to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast, the number one show for passionate physical therapists looking to start and grow an even more successful physical therapy practice without the headaches or conflict of interest that insurance companies bring. Before we get to the episode, real quick, if you're new to the show or haven't picked up your Cash PT checklist yet, then you're definitely missing out. This checklist lays out all the essential steps you need to start a cash-based physical therapy business. If you want me to send that to you, then go to cashptchecklist.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T, C-H-E-C-K-L-I-S-T dot com. Enter your first name and email and you'll get this essential checklist right away. Thanks, and now on to the show. Hello, welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour. This is Aaron LeBauer, your host, and today my special guest is Dr. Ed Osborne. Ed is a chiropractor and healthcare entrepreneur, and Ed, I'm excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for spending time uh, to join us and share your knowledge. Hey, I'm excited, man. This is going to be fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Ed, just give us a little bit of background about where you are. Like, I know you became a chiropractor. You know, what was your journey from, like, why did you become a chiropractor, get into private practice, and then now you've transitioned from private practice to online marketing and coaching? Like, can you give me that in like a few minutes? I'm, I'm going to give you the funnel, the short funnel version. Yeah. <laughs> so, the short funnel marketing version. So, I, got, I became a chiropractor because of a girl. I ended up marrying her. So no, she, she was a chiropractor. All her friends were chiropractors. Uh, seemed like a really good idea at the time. And I loved, you know, being, you know, a chiropractor or being in school and having friends that were chiropractors. So it just seemed like a really good fit. From there, uh, we, my wife and I both as chiropractors, but, you know, I married her. Uh, we mm-hmm. came back to Alberta, Canada, and we created a, um, uh, like one of the largest uh, family care pediatric practices in Alberta. Uh, that would have been back in 2000 and, oh gosh, like four. Okay. And 2009, I was diagnosed with severe Crohn's and yeah, our just life imploded. So almost lost our practice, almost lost our house, almost lost my marriage, almost lost my life. And after that, I could just really never get back to the same capacity of, of being in practice. It was just difficult. So I had to, you know, as a, an entrepreneur and as a man, provide for my family and figure out how can I do this. And I was listening to a podcast by this guy, uh, John Lee Dumas, and so uh, Entrepreneur on Fire. And I'm like, man, you know, how hard can this be? Uh, you know, I can do this. So I started a podcast. I bought his course, like, you know, yeah. so I was a consumer and then I became a producer. And from there, I created the Chiropractic Philanthropist podcast, which is kind of my version of him. Of Entrepreneur on Fire, but for chiropractors, it became, it still is, I believe, the number one podcast for chiropractors today. From there, doctors started asking me, how do you do, how do you do podcasting specifically for health professionals? And that was my first online course. Wow, that's really awesome. Yeah, crazy story. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So what's your, what's your why? Like, I'm going to get right into this. Like, what's your why? Because we all know you got to have it because being an entrepreneur and business owner, it's got its ups and downs. So what gets you up every morning to keep um, push and play? Okay. So my why used to be to make money. 
Like, I'll just be straight up. It was like a drug. It was like a dopamine rush. Every time I had money hit my bank account, like, you know, you get a ding from an online sale. So it was, that was my why in the beginning. But now it's, you know, now it's just like, I see the impact and how powerful it is to help other health professionals uh, help people outside of their brick and mortar practice. And I also see that now the other, the flip side of it, the freedom that it creates for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's my deep why now. It's, it's really fulfilling to help, help someone, you know, gain that sort of freedom and, you know, kind of unchained from their brick and mortar. Yeah. Yeah. What, why is that so important to you? I don't know. You know, a good question. I mean, no one's really asked me these questions. I don't know. You know, I think it's just, you know, at, at, you know, I'm, a, I'm in, uh, you know, Russell Brunson and mm-hmm. uh, ClickFunnels, if anyone, you know, Google it or, you know, I'm in his inner, inner circle and I'm in this group with people who are, are you know, they want to make a million dollars a year in a funnel and then they want to make 10 million and trying to keep up with those people can be exhausting. It's exhilarating and great to be, you know, they're great people, but in the same respect, it's like, I just feel now like I'm just more coming from a place of, uh, you know, heart and just want to help people and I'm not greedy. And mm-hmm. so I, I really enjoy what I do. I love what I do. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Did you find when you made that switch internally that it changed your business? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I mean, I stepped like literally it was just, it, it was a business decision that we literally closed our practice. Like it was, we, we became so much like we, and I say my wife and I, but you know, my business became, so much more profitable. Like if I was spending an hour doing online business or creating funnels or whatever I was doing, I was, it, was a, it was better for me to be doing that for an hour than it was to be in my practice seeing patients. So at one point, we just ended up, we literally closed the doors on our practice. We still had, we paid off our lease for the next two years. We had a bunch of prepays in our office. We were like $30,000, paid them all back. And we still, still the best decision we ever made. And, and it was a business decision. Yeah, that's amazing. That's mm-hmm. awesome. What would you say is the number one thing that you did on a wrong or that you do over when making that transition? Well, the number one thing I did wrong was like in, in specifically when it comes to like creating online content or business mm-hmm. and because I, I, or just in business in general was not either, having email. Either one, like when you said, when you went from, cause I've, I've actually worked with a couple of people who went from, okay, I want to own a practice to, you know what? really, I need to, you know, create an online business, I need to, you know, impact more people. And so making that transition from being like a brick and mortar clinic owner to being a, you know, more of a, an online entrepreneur, healthcare entrepreneur, like switching from patients to empowering and treating and teaching other people how to empower more people, like making that leap, like going from clinic owner to online business, you know, where, what was the transition? What was the, I was gonna ask, what's the best thing that people need to know, but I want to start with like, what was the thing that you did? And you're like, Oh, I'd do that different. or I shouldn't have done that. I probably would have hired someone who knew what they were doing sooner. Mm-hmm. Like I would have got a, a mentor, like a mentor specific to, to like online business. But you know, I always had mentors when I was in practice too. Yeah. I think mentorship is just, you know, key. So I, yeah, I made a lot of, mis- I made way too many mistakes and I spent a lot of money and even worse, I spent a lot of time just doing stuff that didn't work. I mean, if someone has laid out something step by step where you can actually to get you to a result that you want, then just do it. Just <laughs> I still I love being sold, and I still buy everyone's courses. And right, yeah, that would be the number one thing I would change or I would do over. Yeah, what do you think that you did? And what would you do that was a home run, slam dunk? Ooh, um, podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Like it, it built authority. It gave value. It was free. You know, I, I interviewed Dan Sullivan, a strategic coach. And I remember asking him, cause he's gotta be in his seventies now, I think. And yeah. if anyone follows him, he's amazing. And I said, dude, why, why do you do podcasts still? And he's like, they're free. He's like, like, there's no other better medium to, to provide value and content to others. And, and whether it's in your, 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 whether you're in your practice, like as a brick and mortar practice, and you want to use it as a tool to, to get more patients or to network in your community, uh, having a podcast and interviewing like someone who, you know, is an authority in your community is like, it opens doors. And so, yeah, that was the one thing that I, I'm like, man, I really hit it there. And that was, that was the best decision. Yeah. That's awesome. How'd, how'd you get that idea? Was it just listening to one of John Lee Dumas's podcasts or was someone, something else kind of turn you on to that idea? No, I just started listening to podcasts and John was selling, that was his one thing that he sold at the time. And I remember too, it was like 1200 bucks and I was like, oh my God, that's so much money. I know. He's yeah. so good at sales. <laughs> like I've seen so many of his webinars. It is like, oh, this is the last time I'm going to offer this. And I mean, it's just like, and he's so like unassuming or... You know, he's not up in your face, but yet he's there always asking for that. He's great. So yeah. that's really awesome. How old is your podcast? Is um, three and a half years. Okay. Okay. And then do you only have one or and is it still going or do you branch out and do like a different one? Three. Okay. Three. Okay. It's three is the, like, or is the podcast is, is kind of my zone. Mm-hmm. And it's, I do a lot of business through podcasting. I've met a lot of really cool people, built a really great network, my Rolodex, you know. If no one if you're not podcasting, you should be. <laughs> Better than BNI or any of those, yeah, right. Chamber, chamber of Commerce. <laughs> what's the easiest way? Now I was talking to my wife about this this morning, but what's the easiest way for someone to get started in podcasting? Oh, go to just go to YouTube and Google how to start a podcast. Yeah. Like like I sell a course that people, people just basically pay for the convenience of me putting it all to kind of in a package for them. Mm-hmm. But if you went to YouTube, you could just Google it. Yeah. Uh, well, Google it, you search it. And uh, I mean, what did Pat Flynn has tons of free stuff on there. And it's actually much easier, even like compared to three and a half years ago when I did it, it's 10 times easier now. Yeah. Yeah. You My wife of- has podcasts too. Really? Have you heard of Anchor FM? I have. Yeah. I've had people mention that lately. Russell talks a lot about it lately. Russell yeah. Brunson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't checked it out other than I know it's an app that seems pretty easy to use and it's just like about getting it out there. I think, you know, I find that the one big difference between people that are in the position that you are is that they're sharing what they know because there's a lot of people that have the knowledge. There's a lot of knowledge. Others, but like, it's like what separates people, I think, is who's willing to share it. Do you have an idea about where or why or how that understanding came to be in you? Like, do you know, like where all of a sudden you were like, okay, I can share what I know and still get everything I want rather than having to hold it all for myself? Yeah. I mean, you know, I never, I never, I just don't really understand that philosophy because I mean, I've been interviewed many times and I've interviewed a lot of people, but when I'm interviewed, sometimes, you know, I'll be asked, I mean, like, is there anything that you won't talk about? Is there anything you won't share? And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. like ask me anything. Like, um, th- whereas like, I know that the, like that some people won't share specific tactics or strategies or what's working for them because they want to sell that as a product or service. I've just always had the philosophy of giving yeah. and I feel it's almost like energetic it's like the more you give, it actually comes back to you 10x. Right. Um, right. 
Yeah, that works for me. I 100% agree. And, you know, I think it's, but it's interesting. I mean, it's just interesting to, to think that what drives a lot of people's decisions is the fear that they won't have enough or they won't be able to get enough, whether it's, you know, patients, clients, or money or anything like that. What's your, like, for someone who's struggling with that, what would you say, like, having a, what's the best way to start getting a positive money mindset or abundance mindset or putting yourself out to, you know, give more and to get more back? Geez, for a positive money mindset, I think you just have to change maybe your, maybe it's people's concept of selling. Like I have clients who are doing incredible, incredible things, but they have a really, really difficult time asking for money, like selling essentially. And I think that that comes back to, again, that money mindset. I mean, you talked about it like with John. He's a really great salesperson. Mm-hmm. He also, like, look how much content and value he's created in this world. If there was one thing I would shift, it would be, you know, like I would suggest someone who, who is feeling like they're not being um, valued or they're not getting the exchange for what they provide. It's just ask for more or get more comfortable with selling I have a saying in our group, it's like, always be offering. Yeah. Like, always be offering. Yeah. Talking about sales, when you, when you were doing, when you were seeing patients doing chiropractic, what were the, just for instance, what were the, like, did you guys offer programs, packages? Did you just do like one-off things? Like, can you just give us a brief overview about what you did and like how much were you selling those for at that time? <laughs> so I'm always really transparent. You ready for this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, so we had a family pediatric practice. And so we would, we would see anywhere from maybe six to 700 patients a week. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. And yeah. we, I would literally schedule one patient every two minutes. Wow. And uh, yeah, we had like a large open room. We called it an adjustatorium. Uh-huh. So some people might ju- kind of judge, I'm, you know, judge that. It's like, you know, how we practice, but it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. So people would initially basically like as a new patient come in, we would put them through a very specific system of like, you know, testing and we had assistants who you know, did, uh, did notes and like did their soap. And then I would come in, do a quick consult, do, do some testing. We would have them come back on you after, uh, if we sent them out for x-ray or something like that, or a special test, have them come back on a separate day. And we'd basically do a report of findings and give a care program recommendation based on like what I felt was the best approach. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, we always did uh, reevaluations and course correction if necessary but uh, that was, yeah, we had a, we, we were basically known as the, you know, family practice in our town of about 80,000. It was fun. Wow. Yeah. What's the, like, when we're talking about, you know, creating an offer for patients or for clients or for online, like, what's the, is there one sales strategy, whether it's a question, a pitch offer type of, um, you know, like, tactic that you use that you find, like, is a, um, is one of the most effective things for you? You know, I think for me, like when I w- whenever I was doing a, like a, we called it a report of findings, like here's, you know, here's basically what we found, mm-hmm. right? Here's what I recommend. You know, was the, the, one of the main things was just basically the transition between the, the question of here's what we found to here's what I recommend. Because yeah. let's face it, I mean, what you recommend is you're kind of selling and marketing to them right there. It's like, you have to sell it because if you don't sell it to them, they're not going to get the care they need and they're not going to get better. Right. Mm-hmm. So I always made a very clear point from the transition of getting permission from the patient to explain how I could help them. And I do that today. Yeah. Like 
I got, I was on a call with like someone who was applying to be part of our high level uh, inner circle. And I just, do I have your permission to explain how I can help you? Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, it, it would almost deflate, you know, the tension they're feeling because they just saw everything that's going on with them. And now they're like, all oh, stress. And you could see the tension in their body. But when you ask for their permission, they kind of like sit back and they relax. And say, okay, yeah, show me. Or they would, they would say, well, I have this question, right? So you right. could, yeah, if there was any questions, objections or confusion, or you weren't clear in your communication, you can take care of that before you move forward to the recommendation. Because sometimes, not all patients, but sometimes what they're thinking about is how much is this going to cost? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially you, if it's cash based, right? Right, right. Did do you find that that's like the primary objection, you know, or what people say is what it's going to cost, or is there something else also that? I think if you do your job, yeah, like and 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 do that. And I was always I, like, I mean, there's some people like, especially as Kairos. I mean, there's there were some people that are very hardcore. You know, it's almost scary for like it's you know some patients, but I was always very soft about it. And uh, no, I. I I think if you do your job and you get them, get them to that place, I think pretty much anyone would see the benefit of care. And if it's a reasonable recommendation, then, then why would they not start? Right. Yeah. Right. And well, that's awesome. Why do you, like my perception as a massage therapist, physical therapist is that chiropractors are better at sales and marketing than we are. I have my ideas about why that is. You know, <laughs> like as, as massage therapists are better at business than physical therapists coming out of school. Like, why do you feel like, like, do you see that? Do you see that, you know, like in business, whether it's chiropractic business or even like online, like I know there are a bunch of massage therapists. I know there, I mean, PTs online, but there's a lot of chiropractors who have very successful businesses online. I see like that there's this innate thing where there's maybe a little bit more entrepreneurship or sales or marketing or some training as a chiropractor, as a profession. Do you see that? And do you have an indication or what, why that might be? I think we have to as, as chiropractors, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want to make a gross generalization here of physical therapy or, or physical therapists, but I mean, I, I do know that, you know, I, I don't have any clients in what I do for online business that are physical therapists, mm-hmm. uh, not saying that there aren't any that want to be in the online space. However, you know, there's also, my experience was just, just, Hey, they want to make 60 bucks an hour. They'll get their, you know, they'll clock in, they'll clock out. They have their job, right? It's a job. Mm-hmm. Um, with Kairos often it's like, like you have to be able to market. You have to be able to sell to your patient. We're not like medics, right? We also have, there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's certainly some skepticism of what we do. So yeah, we have to be able to, I mean, if you want to have a successful practice, we have to be able to do that. And I think it was more out of survival necessity that Kairos are more apt to be good marketers. Right, right. So like from me, my perspective, now that I'm a, I was a massage therapist first and I went into PT and I was like, oh my gosh, like you're missing so much of this stuff, but it's PT came, uh, the profession came out of being physician extenders. Mm. And only in the last 30 years have broken away from physicians and having direct access, which means, you know, to see patients uh, without a referral. And we haven't had that. I haven't needed that in North Carolina since I've been a PT and it's been a law in North Carolina for 30 years. 
And people still practice that way, that you see the orthopedic surgeon first or primary care first and then PT afterwards and versus chiropractors who are, you know, not always uh, like, like, you know, just kind of off to the side and like, there's a, there's like a parallel and, you know, it's like chiropractors don't always have like hospitalist rights, you know, it's like, not like osteopaths who osteopaths have the same kind of privileges as, as MDs. And you have to do it. Like, otherwise, yes, like you said, the profession wouldn't survive. Massage therapists as well. Like no one's feeding, insurance doesn't pay for massage. No one's feeding massage therapists through medical providers. And so you have to go out and build a business, et cetera. I see more parallels between massage and chiropractic than PT. And, you know, and I see it and there's something about people that makes them an entrepreneur, Yeah. you know, in there. Do you you see where I'm, where I'm, where I'm, where I'm looking at this from? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and let's just face it, face it. Like, I mean, if you're doing business um, and you're not billing insurance, which was, you know, in Canada, basically we're not billing insurance at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, cash is king. Yeah. Like, so we have, like, it's a cash-based business. So um, people pay for our services. That's awesome. I mean, do you yeah. know, like, like, what would you say to something? Because I know there's people out there, they're like, I think I should go into business or I've always been wanting to, but Everyone's told me it wouldn't work, which is one of the things that I was told. But where do you see like that drive to become an entrepreneur came for you hmm. in this context? Where did that come for you? And how, like, what could you say to someone who, to help them identify where that is in themselves? I've always just wanted to, you know, I, I just feel like they're entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. having your own business is a different mindset. So the entrepreneurial mindset is very different than the employee mindset. I was just never a very good employee. (laughs) Like I still am not. I mean, I I still don't work well with others. Like this is why I'm solo in my business pretty much. So if that's the kind of person who's hearing this today, this conversation, well, then you should probably be an entrepreneur. If you're an employee, then you're probably undervaluing what you do or you're not, you know, meeting your fullest potential if you're not trying to be that, you know, have your own business. So, um, yeah, I mean... Again, it comes back to entrepreneurs being being people who just want to grow their business mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus like employees. Like, yeah. Do you think, do you, so do you think, uh, and I don't want to stay on this too long. I know we have a few minutes to go, but do you think the chiropractic profession attracts more people with that mindset already? Or do you think it's something that they're teaching you or, or, or empowering you to uh, express? I think I think what happens is, and maybe this is true with, Maybe we're maybe physical therapy. It's the same thing. Students think they already know everything when they graduate, <laughs> so they struggle for probably a year or two, mm-hmm. uh, and then they realize this isn't working, and then they decide they're going to actually make a change. So they get a mentor, they take a course, they start learning, they start expanding. They realize they actually it's not about no one's going to save them, and they actually need to save themselves. Yeah. That answer your question. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. There we go. It's very I mean, common. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's there, and I mean, I and I'm not trying to discount our profession because there are some amazing um, physical therapists who are entre- business entrepreneurs. And, oh yeah. You know, and I think that, but there's something unique about it for people. And my whole experience as in PT was, don't do that. It's unsafe. It's unproven. No one's going to pay. And I'm like, but that's not how I want to do this business. That's not how I want to treat my patients. I have to go do this other thing. And I know there's other people like that. And I'm always trying to figure out like, where is that piece in everybody that they knew that that was their path? So 
um, yeah, you answered my question and thank you for that. Um, <laughs> what would you say to someone who is a healthcare provider and, and wants to help more people and start an online business or, you know, podcast online business, you know, and, and do something more than just be in practice day to day to help them get a big step ahead? I would, I would say the first thing is to start listening or, and following people who are marketers. Mm-hmm. Like, like John, like John, like listening to John, um, I, I, I had the opportunity to interview him too. He was, he was the only person, by the way, who ever intimidated me on my podcast. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I followed him. I, I, I interviewed Grant Cardone and I had some really, really cool conversations like Jack Canfield. All of these people are marketers, right? Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, so I'm, I would say start consuming podcasts, start learning and following people who are marketing uh, and selling because it rubs off on you and you will, you can't help, but become a better marketer, a better, you know, salesperson, even a better doctor, a better physical therapist. Cause like, look at you, you want people to follow and be compliant with your care. You have to market to the, <laughs> to, to get to do it. I mean, it's all marketing and sales, whether it's like money that's exchanging or value. So that's what I would say is start yeah. following marketers. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anything else you want to add before we wind up about what, anything we've talked about or anything else you've learned along the way? I don't think so. I mean, you know, um, if, if anyone is listening that would, would like to, to maybe jump on to the chiropracticphilanthropist.com, you get a ton, a ton of value just from the podcast. It's free. We're not pitching anything on it. And it's, yeah, I mean, there's some really good interviews with like Dr. John Gray, who wrote, you know, bestselling author, there's like Grant Cardone. And uh, it's fun too, I think, to see someone like myself who, you know, is a guy who was basically in his basement in Alberta, Edmonton, Canada, in the armpit of Canada, you know, talking to these people from his basement. And it's inspirational that if there's, you know, someone like myself who can do that, it's pretty much anyone can do it. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's really awesome. So if someone wants to get in touch with you or find out more about you, we've got the chiropractic chiropractor philanthropist podcast on iTunes. Where else can they find you and find your website? By the way, I was told that was the worst name for a podcast ever. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a little bit of a mouthful, but no one could say it. So it's the chiropractic philanthropist. Or I have the, now I have the laptop lifestyle podcast, and that's mm-hmm. the website. So laptoplifestylepodcast.com. Again, you know, I've I had a grant on that. And on that one specifically, I, I talk to, or I speak to really hyper successful online entrepreneurs to, you know, and marketers and, and salespeople. Mm-hmm. Um, so those would be the two places that I would send anyone who wants to learn a little bit more or just go to Google and Google me. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah. Ed, thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to share your knowledge and experience with us. So Thank you so much, guys. Go check out Ed's websites and podcasts. Thank you so much. Well, for the Cash PD Lunch Hour, this is Aaron LeBauer and Dr. Ed Osborne. Y'all have a great day. Hey, thanks again for spending your time with us today. If you're a new listener, then thanks for checking out the show. And don't forget, you can find all the resources and links mentioned, as well as show notes over at aaronlebauer.com. If you found this podcast and information valuable to you, we would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes and a shout out on social media wherever you hang out. 